0: We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! I'm Drew, that's Roth. How you doing? Roth?
1: Oh, pretty good. You know, you know me, Drew. Pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I had a big I was arguing with Barry this morning, Barry Picheski, our deputy editor. Because I couldn't think of what essay to write for the Jamboree for tomorrow. And I was like, what if I just go on a tie a diatribe against the word fine? Because I hate the word fine. I think it's fucking useless. And he's like. Well, won't you just say acceptable instead? I was like, yeah, but people say fine. It's annoying. Nah. And we we agreed that I should not use that. Or I should not do that essay. So
1: that's I'm not doing that essay. process is getting so you can uh, say, corrected by Barry before you even uh, start writing.
0: Well, that's the point. It's like, I was like, oh, I can't think of anything to write. But listen, I really hate when people are like, it's fine. If they see a movie, they're like, eh, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> like they have nothing to fucking say. Just shut the fuck up. Don't even tell me you saw the movie. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he was like, no, that's, that's really not good enough to support an entire thousand-word essay. He's I'm like, it's not a bad that. idea.
1: <laughs> I would, but it's, 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 I would say that it's fine.
0: Yeah, he was like, yeah, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> but anyway. Hey, speaking of things that are more than fine, Ooh. it's our special guest, Dom Cosentino of The Score. Hi, we Dom. Love Tom. Hey, guys. hey, Dom.
2: Great to see you
0: again. It is great to have you back. You are our requisite uh, NFL knower, uh, a former Deadspin colleague, of course, and our best Italian friend, the best Italian friend that Defector (laughs) had, so... We are so so happy to do have not you. Not tokenized, Dom. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not
1: doing that. I wasn't like,
0: hey, i He's like, yeah, hey. I wouldn't do that.
1: Now you're. Oh, that's that was good tokenizing. Yeah, good work. Then I would. Then I would feel
0: bad, and then Dom would. After the podcast would be like, Drew, that was really, that was out of line. Drew, stop doing that. How you doing, Dom? I'm fine. Are you? <laughs> that was well done. Thank you. Thank that was very. You. That was very well executed. Where are you? Are you at home?
2: I'm at home in Brooklyn. Yes, uh, just getting through the week. My my son's in school, and uh, you know, so far so good with that. Is it so. your
0: Is it your son's first time back at in person school since the pandemic?
2: No, he was back uh, on a hybrid basis in the winter, and then went back full time at the en- very end, of, like the last month of the previous school year, like in May. So, um, okay. So it's how. Go ahead. How man. was the what was the hybrid like was
0: it like was he in like an A group and a b group so he'd go one week and then virtual the next or something he had
2: no it was it was an a group and a b group where they they just did a rotation of one day a week or two days a week and for whatever reason his group always tended to have a day in school when it was a it would have been his day in school that it was a day off so he it seemed like he was in one day a week for most of the hybrid session it was hell
0: <laughs> yeah that's, my my kids they went. To, they had e-school. We just had them in in nothing but e-school all the way through, but the, all the school district always gave them Wednesdays essentially off. Like, like the elementary school would go till like ten thirty in the morning, and then for middle school and for high school was independent study day. So they would have to do work, but they would basically they would not have to go into any Zoom calls. And it was like it was kind of this great innovation. And now they have to go to actual school on Wednesday and, like, pay attention
1: and, like, this fucking blows. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's going to be a hard one to claw back. Like, once you get a kid used to the idea of just, like, fuck around Wednesdays, like, replacing that with, like, just another rock-solid, like, eight hours of sitting in a classroom is not really going to fly, I don't think. Yeah, Yeah, when
2: Cam Cam was only doing one day a week, he was kind of not... Cool with it, but then once he got back to full time, it was much better for him because I think he just got to be around his friends and get into a routine again and all of that. So it's been yeah, way better it, for him and us. It, but yeah, the difference is amazing
0: when they, you know, if when they're stuck, you know, at home for a year and they can't really see friends. I mean, they can see friends like like masked playdates at a playground and yeah. shit like that. Yeah, but it's really not the same as being in the shit eight hours a day with kids you like and kids you don't like. What, what teachers you like and teachers you don't like. You know, you're more engaged with the world, and so it's it brought, at least for our kids, it you could tell the difference right away yep. when they went back. Same same here.
2: Same here. Like, he was also, they much were, happier.
0: Also, they were fucking exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that too. Just absolutely fucking exhausted. Hey, would you like to talk some football, Dom? or sure. Or do you want to start off by talking about the fact that Ben Simmons is big mad and doesn't want to play for the Sixers anymore?
2: We could do it. We could do that, sure. Yeah. Let's go Ben
0: All right. Simmons. <laughs> All right. Let's well let's talk about basketball first because Ben Simmons uh through uh the dreaded Woge bomb this week. It was reported that he will not report to Sixers Camp, staging a holdout and uh and won't go. So both of you, since you are both innate basketball knowers, not not unlike a a Sherwood Strauss, I would say. Like really that knowledgeable. Uh uh Dom, do you think uh that he will be in a Sixers uniform by the time the NBA season starts, which is only like a month from now.
2: I don't because I think the NBA is kind of a, you know, the one league where players have that kind of power, I think, to force teams' hands. And if, I don't know what the Sixers can do to entice him to show at this point.
0: I feel like only good players have the power to do that. And I don't know if Ben Simmons counts because he can't he's, even fucking dunk Oh, he's dunk really
1: him. good. Yeah. He's, like just, he's just also a mess. I mean, like, this is... But it's weird. Like, I think they're going to wind up... It's like they've already had to do this with trading Markel Fultz. And it's like having a guy that, like, clearly could... Like, with a super-duper high ceiling who's also incredibly broken from one moment to the next. Like, Simmons isn't as messed up as Fultz was. But at the same time, like, he's not... Like, whatever it was that they thought they were going to get for him, you know, after the the playoffs even, like, you know, after the disastrous showing in the semis, like, I I don't know that they're going to get that now. And the only teams I ever see him connected to are teams where I feel like he'd get traded there and then he would just hold out because he doesn't want to live in fucking Minneapolis or Sacramento. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like, that's... I think he kind of put himself in that position. He clearly... I guess he wants to be with the Warriors, but, like, what would the... I mean what the Warriors have to trade is basically, like, a young big man that the Sixers don't need and, like, Andrew Wiggins and some picks. Like, if they wind up settling for that, I think that, like, people will be mad at Daryl Morey and he'll probably be pretty mad at himself, but I don't know that they're going to do that much better than that. Right. I don't know how they could. Yeah, they're not going to get Damian Lillard for him, you know. Right. I mean, so... Which they still seem to think that that's somehow going to happen and, like, I mean, who knows? Like, they... Presumably, you know, like I haven't been on any of these phone calls, and Daryl Morey's been on all of them. So maybe he's been getting secret signals there. But like, once you do like the the black and white Instagram post where you're like, mm-hmm. I'm home and and I'm happy. This is my house that I live in the Rose Garden. Like whatever it is that Damian Lillard did, where he was like basically making clear that he's committed to Portland this year. Like, I think that's kind of like legally binding in a way that apparently like a a long term uh, rookie max contract is not. Like I just think he's gonna. That's an obligation.
0: It is. It'll be interesting. Actually, to me, it'd be an interesting litmus test if he could force a trade because then it would. Like I think it's different from James Harden demanding a trade because James Harden was you know is someone who's won MVP and does not have many problems shooting the basketball, Uh, and you know the idea that the idea that if Ben Simmons could do it with what was it four years left on his contract, even though he's totally broken offensively. If he could force it, then I would think it really would be a demonstration that NBA teams don't don't have much leverage over these these players. And I'm not saying that as an ominous thing. I'm not going to be like, oh, oh, well, what about the owners? Will someone think about the owners? It's just more in line with okay. Even if you are someone who passes up a dunk in a playoff game and can't shoot the fucking ball, you can still still figure out a way to leverage your way out of town if you're if you're also an all star. Mm-hmm. if you're yeah i know no, everyone's Bogans like oh couldn't do this yeah everyone's like oh well he plays great defense but i don't pay attention to defense so it doesn't matter <laughs>
1: i'm not trying hey, to tell d- you how to do your podcast but it's incredible that you got through the whole bit about like this is a players league now without once lapsing into a simmons voice i think it's a much a sign of maturity on your part
0: players league
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah now you get the can idea can, yeah we can move on to to things that that we actually uh we actually know uh about well, let's talk about because we have dom here to talk about the nfl so uh you are here dom to engage in a, a little bit of nfl fraud watch Ooh, that's the, i that's would the like to know thing. so i want to break this down either by teams who have started off hot or poor or quarterbacks who started off hot or poor which would you prefer would you rather break down uh quarterbacks or teams who have under or overperformed early in the season let's do quarterbacks All right, let's do quarterbacks. Let's start with Zach Wilson then. Zach Wilson of the Jets, who I thought actually was the best uh, quarterback coming out out of the draft. And that turned out to be quite illusory because he had arguably the worst performance that any rookie quarterback has had in many years last week against the Patriots when he threw four picks, four utterly preventable picks. It wasn't, they weren't, they were his fault. Mm -hmm. They were very much his fault. Is Zach Wilson salvageable, Dom?
2: I think so. Uh, and okay. salvageable in the sense that I don't think I'm not saying he's going to become a superstar But I don't think he's as bad as the performance Sunday indicated Belichick's, you know, made his, made a name of, of uh, Made a career of teeing off on rookie quarterbacks, for one He had two receivers out, Mims and Crowder The Jets' offensive line isn't what people hoped would be um, So it's it's still way too early, I think, to write him off I'm not saying he's going to become a superstar, but I don't think he was that bad, it, as bad as he I looked on Sunday.
1: I didn't think he looked that bad in Week One. Yeah, like, he, didn't and he was running good, for his life made, that day. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like in this case, he's like there's a Jets factor that weighs yes. so heavily here. Mm-hmm. Like I've been, I know it's it's too soon to say this, but just seeing like Sam Darnold look competent and decently happy in Carolina. Right. Like makes me think that the like the Jets factor was actually like underrated in terms that's of That's one
0: where I'm looked. I'm a little less convinced. I'm not convinced that Sam Darnold will be. Well you've unnormal. already
1: like you basically adopted him as as your large child and well, then you had I, to yes, deal I, with the disappointment.
0: Well then I disowned him, though because Joe Burrow came along and he looked enough like me where I said that's my new son. And then Joe Burrow failed too, and then I said, "You know what, Tom Brady kind of looks like me, so uh, he's going to be my son for <laughs> me you're, you're like he's basically your hot twin brother, that you brother, have.
2: yeah yeah well, let's the say same
0: age. let's say that uh, Zach Wilson continues to struggle and he's benched, Dom. Can you remember an instance of a rookie quarterback who was anointed a starter, got benched and then recovered from that because I feel like that's not i don't." I don't have a good instant, like off the top of my head, I cannot think of a a rookie quarterback who flourished after having a really, really shitty
2: start. Yeah. Like usually you play them through. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd have to. And the the Jets really don't have a a backup with any kind of experience either. Um, So they're, you know, it's not like they have a, 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 a Ryan Fitzpatrick they can turn to. Not that Jets fans want to hear about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but... But I um, want to hear about Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> this is, basically, I just
1: call Dom at home sometimes and ask him to tell me Fitz facts. <laughs> it's true. The,
0: the backup for Zach Wilson is Mike White. It's yeah, not even like... never like it's not a, a, a an NFL game.
2: The,
1: from the, the White Lotus guy. I
0: There's not even like a, a Greg McElroy that can lean, not right. lean on. No,
2: right. So, um, I, think, I think they've got to ride him out, ride it out with him, I should say, um, and just see what happens. But, uh, you know, he's got to learn to just play within himself more than anything. I think part of his problem is just trying to, he's forcing throws downfield when he he needs to do more checking down and that kind of thing. And I feel like that's maybe the kind of thing he can be coached up to do, but uh, I can't see them pulling the plug on him just because they don't have a really good option behind him. (laughs) I I worry, same thing as sort of happened with Darnold is that like, I don't think they're going
1: to, they're going to bench him, but I worry that like a couple of seasons of going, you know, now it would be like two and 15 or whatever. Like, I can't imagine that that does anything for anybody's development, like beyond the the reps and stuff like that. Like just getting your fucking ass kicked every week and like making mistakes and knowing that people are mad at you and stuff. Like I I think that's part of like why you wouldn't like why teams wait to start rookie quarterbacks traditionally is that like they want to make that transition as easy as possible. Once you start one, you can't. I don't know if this counts under your rubric, there, Drew. It's like Alex Smith qualified to you in that regard because, like, he they started him for years, and then he lost his job, and then he like got it together once he wasn't there anymore to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, but he like he didn't become like amazing. Like I think no. his accomplishments as his career accomplishments are a bit overstated. Like he won that fantastic playoff game. Against Drew Brees and the Saints that one year, and then he went to Kansas City and he had like a you know he had a respectable showing as a story starting quarterback until they decided to go with Patrick Mahomes. But I no, I don't I don't count him because he essentially you know wall with a single team. He went from
1: promising draft pick to sort
0: of useful journeyman,
1: but all while on the same roster at the same. That's time. now the ceiling for Daniel Jones to me, which is part of why I ask. Like I feel like he's. Like, if he winds up having Alex Smith's career, I'll be happy for him because I think be that's sho-
0: I'll be shocked if that happens, Yeah, <laughs> I kind of
1: feel the same. Like, but it, it also, I mean, it would involve the good parts happening with the team that, uh, like, some team that did not draft him, which I think is also, uh, like, probably going to happen for Daniel Jones no matter what.
0: Uh, let's go to the other side of that uh, game between the Pats and Jets, Dom, because Mac Jones, I think you could argue statistically, he has been the most impressive. Mm-hmm. Of all the rookie quarterbacks so far, that's not saying a ton, right? Uh, but should I be? And we we have the uh, we have the phrase Mac pilled. Uh, should I be Mac pilled? Should I believe that Mac Jones is going to be uh, yet another great Patriots quarterback, or can I sec- safely and
2: securely assume that he will be mediocre for the time being? I think I don't know that it's hard to. It's kind of hard to tell because it's the opposite of Wilson, where he's done a lot, like almost too much, playing it safe and checking down, um, and they've kind of constructed an offense to keep him, put him in position where he's a, like the game manager type. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we really have a read on what he can do when he's in a situation where it's third and long, and he's putting the team on his back and making a, a big throw. He hasn't really had to, he hasn't really done that yet.
0: That oh, was so another thing where they don't have anyone behind him because they released Cam almost to prevent the sort of situation where they would have to bench him for Cam right. strictly to stay competitive and therefore destroy his psyche in the, in the meantime.
2: Yeah, but they, they've clearly still got the training wheels on for him in a lot of ways. I'm, so
0: I mean, I would say, Roth, I want to go back and dispute your point. What, one is that NFL teams always say they're going to take their time with a rookie quarterback, and then they never do.
1: Mm, they uh, haven't. And, I think it's been less that they've done it of late. You know that, like I have seen it done, and like you know they did it with like Tua and stuff like that. But like with Tua now, there's like the question of like is he actually any good? Like he's I think not. so. It's, yeah. And so that's like one way to make sure that you're like whatever not exposed there and protecting your draft pick is you just make him wear a hat and look handsome on the sidelines while Ryan Fitzpatrick does the hard work.
0: The other thing is that there's no time, Dom. Like yeah. these guys are on rookie contracts and yeah. those are the most valuable things in the world when the rookie pans out. So they have to be good by their second year otherwise you've wasted your time.
2: Yeah, you can't have an Aaron Rodgers sit the bench for 3 years before you, you know, behind Brett Favre like like because that's just not feasible anymore just the way things go. So but you know, right. it helps to have you you ideally want to have a a solid roster around the guy and that's really hard when the, for the quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, who are taken to the top of the draft by teams with shitty rosters right i mean it's just like that's it's a long okay. rebuild that you know yeah and the jets I think hoped that they finally you know they they finally have invested in the offensive line and it's looked terrible you know so they i, I think that 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 adds another layer of jetsiness to all this for them.
1: I'm That's inclined always to think
2: they're going to be okay
1: because I think they got a good coach, and I do think they've like at least shown some indication to spend money in a way
2: that like normal NFL
1: teams do, like belatedly they're doing that. Yeah, yeah, but they seem a long way from there now.
2: Yeah, they they, they, they they've their their rebuild has been executed better than it had in the past so far, but they they still have a long way to go. Yeah.
0: Speaking of rebuilds, can we go over to the Jaguars and talk about Trevor Lawrence because he was awful last week. He was awful, and then there's even the question of. And I believe it's an open question of whether or not his coach will stick around, even though he's a brand new coach. But he's been fucking horrible. And that roster is somehow worse than it was a year ago when they went 1-15. So then my question to you is, uh, is Trevor Lawrence struggling because the Jaguars are just so utterly inept? Um, or is he also part of the problem? Is, is there potential here
2: that he's actually not going to be as good as his pedigree would suggest? I mean, it's a chicken and egg question kind of always with quarterbacks with pedigree like his because, you know, he obviously needs to have a good support structure in place, a good offensive line, good coaching, good receivers, and he's got none of that. And, you know, there's only so much he can do when, when you know, so much is placed on his shoulders to make plays. I it's strange because yeah, he could be, he could be ruined, but it could also be Troy Aikman. I mean, we think back to what Aikman and the Cowboys went through his rookie year, they won won one, one game, you know, and then, but then they, they, you know, they drafted well and and we all know what happened after that. So it's so hard to tell just yet because I think it's a chicken and egg question.
0: Uh, Are the expectations for rookie quarterbacks accelerated now uh, in the rookie cap era? Like, is it, if a quarterback, because I was used to, you know, even when Peyton Manning started, I think Peyton Manning went 3-13 and in his yeah. first season. Yeah, it's another which one. Which was expected. Like, I felt like I felt like the expectation was, okay, you're going to start the rookie, and he's going to suck, and the team's going to suck. The team's going to really, really suck for at least one year, and then we can sort of go from there. But I don't even know if that, you know, I just said two years, but I don't even know if two years is correct anymore like
2: I think you got to show something in the first year or am I wrong I think you've got to show you know I think Peyton Manning threw a ton of interceptions as a rookie but he also threw like close to you know 25 or 30 touchdowns so I think you're yes just he did showing that ability to like I said make like, like maybe there's the occasional third and long where he makes a hero ball play that that sort of is something you can you can hang your hat on for the future so I, I, that's the kind of stuff I think the Jaguars need to see from Lawrence this year because I don't think they're going to win many games and I think he's going to take his knocks and throw a bunch of picks.
0: It's also, um, and I, I think I'm pretty sure I got this right, but Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson both won MVPs in their second years respectively, and that almost skews the expectations for every other quarterback that you draft.
2: Yes, and well, and they also were on drafted into to stable teams, stable yeah. franchises. You know, the the Chiefs made the playoffs sitting Mahomes his rookie year until the week 17 or whatever it was. And the Ravens have been a, a pretty stable, solid team for 25 years. So I, I think that, that skews it. But I think the, the other part of it is that the, the draft industrial complex just offers, you know, it, 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 like it exists to provide hope for fans. So I think then the expectations for a lot of these quarterbacks that are, are taken at the top of the draft are a little overblown because uh, mo- a lot of them don't pan out. Um, but I think there's an expectation that they are going to save the franchise every time they're picked. Yeah, funny. I mean, so it's, it's nicer the- to think about than whatever
1: else you might be thinking about as a Jags or Jets fan. <laughs> right. But yeah, like I, I have no idea what Jets fans actually expect. Like, I don't know that they go to games thinking that the team is going to win, right?
2: Like... I hope I, they it, were. I, I think there was some enthusiasm before the game on Sunday, but I, I think the reason they the booze came raining down by the third quarter is because they're 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 sick of this shit. It's been yeah. This is their fourth rebuild in ten years. Yep. You know, and how many quarterbacks? You know, they just drafted a guy third overall three years ago, and he's he's winning games for another team. And they just basically yeah they dumped him like
1: because they basically couldn't afford to keep him anymore. Yeah, it's it's pretty grim.
0: Uh, Let me ask you about someone who I think we know is a very good quarterback, and that's Kyler Murray. And I just watched him play out of his fucking mind uh, against the Vikings to beat the Vikings. He had two big mistakes, Mm -hmm. but really, he, he essentially, he had a star turn, as he has for, you know, over the past year or so. And I'm wondering if this is the year where he becomes one of those quarterbacks that just wins, automatically wins 11 or 12 games a year, regardless of what happens to be around him. Even if his coach, I think, is a touch underwhelming. Uh, Is he that kind of quarterback already dumb?
2: I think he can be, yeah. Because part of the reason the the Cardinals faded down the stretch last year, he had a bit of a shoulder injury. He wasn't able to do a lot of the things he does. But uh, there's a real uh, feast or famine quality with him uh, just because he's capable of throwing a couple of bad picks like he did on Sunday, but also just, you know making plays out of structure when when he's forced from the pocket and 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 delivering like he did on those two pirouette touchdowns he did the other day. Um that's that you know if he's healthy I think he can that that can go, he can do a lot of that and win a lot of games.
0: He's also now the guy if you blitz him you've you're just asking to get your shit ruined. Exactly. Can, yeah. yeah.
1: Cannot There's cannot a scientific metric but i think also the fact that he does as much cool shit as he does means that you're probably right in your assessment Drew that he's going to win 11 games every year that like there aren't that many guys that can do that many cool things and aren't good
2: yeah that's and that's fun. not
1: like grounded in anything other than like my amateur vibological understanding of watching like whatever the other national game is on CBS every sunday but like yeah like if if he can do the shit that he does in highlights then like i don't know where the ceiling is but it's high no it it's
0: true because like once you once you see players who can do like make those cool plays like there's never been a daniel jones play where you're like ah oh. Oh, that is that is that was so fucking cool. If he can do that, he can do anything. Like that's actually a fairly decent metric. Not to go all Simmons on you. That's the
1: magic of like the Daniel Jones experiences. Even when he does things that are cool, like when he has like a seventy-yard run, like he ends it by like falling down (laughs) as if he got shoved out of a car. (laughs) Like it's just like his special element.
0: Uh, Let's take a break and come back and open up the fun bag and all that stuff. Hey, we're back. We're back for the second part of the podcast. Uh, before I before we get into the fun bag, I did want to I did want to offer an old man take. Are you guys ready for an old man take? Mm. Yeah. Who's excited for old man takes? All right. So, uh, Packers running back Aaron Jones scored four touchdowns uh, the other That's night. That's too many. Yeah. No. Oh, so is that the old he, man And he did a Lambo leap, and he lost his uh, he lost his necklace, which contained his dead father's ashes in it in the stands and he he found them the next day. Uh but also there was another uh a player on the Mets, I believe. Javi Baez. Sli- yes, who Javi Baez slid into home, lost an earring, like a really valuable earring, and then they had to like like Sandy Alderson, like the GM, like had to come like they had to go all go look like a huge team effort after they won the game to go look around for like the jewelry and stuff like that. And I am not against players wearing jewelry and other shit on the field that's totally fine but like if you lose that shit that's on you like you have to find it you should have to find it yourself like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna help you if you went out there with that like if you went out and played with your fucking wallet and you lost your wallet i'd say that's on you that's your, that's your problem so i don't have a ton of sympathy if you lose some valuable shit if you brought it out into the field you could just leave
2: it in your locker is that how old man is that <laughs> take dom uh, as someone who once lost a wedding ring on the beach in Maine for oh, being boy. dumb enough to bring it to Maine, uh, I, I have to sympathize with the players on this one, Drew. I think you're you're incorrect.
0: But it's a wedding ring. That's
1: different. It's Wait, then you, you, know, you lost it. Were you planning on, like, giving it to your fiancé in Maine
2: on the beach and then you No, you no, we, it? We, we, were, we were already married and my dumbass oh, to right. go into the water, just put it in the chair and forgot I had done that. Oh man!
0: Oh wait! Why didn't you just keep wearing
2: it? I didn't want to lose it in the water. But does it slip off? It should it, be it, it, when it's wet. Yeah, it it, it could. Or I'm afraid I, uh, I a, was afraid it would.
0: I think we need to resize your ring, Dom. I think it's too loose. <laughs> no, this I just like I, the
1: podcast everyone loves where we do finger measurements.
0: That's true. No, I like I wear I wear my wedding ring all the time, even in water. It doesn't come off. Now I have you know I eat a lot of sodium, so my fingers swell nicely around the ring. To give it a nice cushion yeah, so like it doesn't a, come
1: off. Drew's hands are like ballpark Franks. It's like a
0: yes, 5 Yes, that's
1: right. That's right. Got a
0: little chubby little
2: Frankfurter fingers <laughs> to make sure the ring stays on. I think it's if more I, fear that I have just being in the water that I'm going to step out and it's not going to be on my hand anymore than anything.
0: When I, uh, when I got married to my wife and uh, we went on our honeymoon, we went to a resort and I got on a jet ski. And I came back with the jet ski, and I took off my wedding ring, and I put it in my pocket. And I was like, honey, look what happened. And I held up my bare hand, she was like, oh. And I was like, I got ya. And I pulled her hand, she's
1: like, you piece of shit. You like, And you're fucking- married to me for the rest of your life now. That's the law.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh shit, I, I fucked up. I'm going to be unmarried in record time, or be an annulment. The heartbreak of learning that you've married a prankster. <laughs> I I also, I remembered uh, when I was a kid, I remembered LT wearing the lightning bolt earring. Yeah. The the LT earring. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But I don't think the LT earring, like, I don't think that cost him too much. I would just, I would be concerned if you're wearing something that cost you like 50,000 bucks and you lose it. That's all.
1: I mean, I feel bad for Aaron Jones. I honestly think that this is like a pretty, like, as old guy takes go, like, you didn't go full, like, uh, whatever, like... Orange County Register sports columnist who only writes in one sentence paragraphs with it, you were like, it was more like you're like, you have to be responsible for your stuff. You weren't like, this is not like a fashion show. It's a football game. Like that would have no, been no, a no, real no. old man take. No, no, the the the
0: aesthetics of it, I'm totally fine with. It's more just like, I want, I don't want you to lose your stuff. And if you lose your stuff, that should be on, on you. But already, already I since the podcast thing where it's like, like, the other people on the podcast are sort of humoring the shitty old take and, like, being like, okay, all right, yeah, I, I guess. But why don't we move on so, <laughs> so that we don't have to listen to Drew talk about jewelry on athletes as if that isn't problematic entirely. <laughs> yes. Do you guys want to play dead or canceled? Yeah, let's get to something less problematic, like yeah.
1: asking Dom who's canceled.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, that's too bad because I forgot to think of a subject for dead or canceled. So we have to remember a guy <laughs> of the week. Would you like to remember a guy, Dom? Sure, yeah. Uh, your guy of the week to remember Greg Jones. Do you remember former Jacksonville running back Greg Jones? Oh. Wow. I mm?
1: sort of remember Greg Jones. Yeah, vaguely. He's All not right, the Jags running back. I remember when I remember Jags running backs. Well, I mean, you can remember a big name like Fred
0: Taylor
2: or something, Yeah, or Maurice like Jones-Drew.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, those are like those are like good backs. Like, but Greg Jones was the sort of guy where he did like 120 yards like twice a year, and when he did, you're like, oh, oh, this guy's gonna be a fucking
1: badass for the rest of the year, and then they'd never use him again. <laughs> So I feel like Greg Jones. Jones is a tough name for a running back at, in general. Like Aaron Jones is working on breaking that curse right now, but then you, otherwise you got, you got your Gregs, you got your Ronald the Second. Like it's just not like a. It's I I don't I haven't had great you know Kevin Jones like got hurt. It's not a, a name that I trust if in a fantasy football scenario. I want to you know give me give me a Tomlinson. That's a great yeah. But like
0: Aaron Jones is is a really good running back. He right is now. really good.
1: And he's being used properly,
0: which is... I was going
1: to say, that's the part of it that was always, like, I'm sure that it must make Mike McCarthy mad to know that he's touching the ball, like, a lot during the games, uh, like, now that he's not in charge, to make sure that that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, he's fuming. But the the good thing is that Mike McCarthy is now paired with an over-the-hill back who he's uh, entitled
1: to not use all that much. mccarthy was doing some good mccarthy shit last week too like there was was. like really like he loves to blame people circumstances things weather formations in a way that like i think i'd forgotten because he was like so much of the end game in green bay was him getting yelled at for like decisions he made and i forgot that a lot of it is like oh my visor was giving me a rash (laughs) and i forgot that you could call passes or whatever (laughs) like it's just a different energy I'm waiting for him to get to the point where he gets testy
0: at when his decision-making is questioned because that's the, that's the end-stage Mike McCarthy yep. that we all know and love where he's like, well, I'd like to see you try and, uh, and not <laughs> sell for a 56-yard field goal. All right? This game is complicated, mister. It's the man do you guys in want? The arena. O- do you guys want to open up the fun bag? Sure. Sure. All right, we're going to try to, we've already broken the record for awkward silences on this episode of the podcast. <laughs> and We're going to see if we can, we can make that record insurmountable. Uh, this is from Matthew Dom. He writes in, is there any more damning evidence that Tom Brady is the world's most crashing bore than the fact that his new satellite radio show is named Let's Go was, yeah, taken or something? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Rob and I were just talking about how Brady actually has begun to show some personality in the last year and become a bit more relatable, maybe. uh, It's almost
0: like Bruce Arians has rubbed off on him or something. Yeah, Yeah. being
2: away from Belichick,
0: you know. um, I know Brady
1: starts wearing little hats like Bruce Arians. I think that's a lesson that he could take from him. Become a casual guy.
0: He is like Belichick, where he'll say nothing useful until you ask him some very specific niche question about the game itself. And then all of a sudden he opens up like a flower and you get 2000 words of just brilliant eloquence. But, uh, you, I, I've already on the record of saying let's go is annoying. And I'm very, very sick of it. Although my sons use
1: it and it's okay. Cause they're kids. Like they so can say use, stupid shit. Kids use it all the time. It's a, it's a gamer thing, right? Like while we're doing old man takes, like where did this come from? Cause we see it on American Ninja warrior a lot. And it's like all the teens do it constantly. And I feel like it, like it's become like a joke in the household. Like, Kate and I each get one annoying let's go per day to, like, bother the other, and we try to time it for maximum impact. But it just seems like it's a thing that is now, uh, I guess, obviously, like, people who are older than me, like Tom Brady, are also saying it. I, mean,
0: is, it I mean, isn't from? let's go, like, just common, ver- hasn't it been common vernacular, our entire
1: lives. It's just yeah. weird that it got hashtagged and like presented as like something. No, it's not like let's go. Like let's go Mets. It's like after you do something, you say let's go. Yeah, that's true. To it's celebrate not, it. it.
0: It's not pre- beforehand.
1: Yeah. Yes. Or Or let's fucking go, if
0: you really want to put emphasis on the syllable. Mm. Dom's. Hey, wisely why out of this one? I think that another shot. Fantastic. Hey, uh, here's a good one. Uh, Dom Mike Redson. How has AI not made its way into NFL play design? I'm no computer scientist, but it seems like it would be the perfect opportunity to create plays based off actual data instead of what some meathead coach thinks might happen. Or are there just too many variables to account for it in football? Why is there not... Well, first of all, is there any AI play design in football right now? Could there be AI play design and AI play calling?
2: I think there could be, yeah. Uh, Now that they have the player tracking data to work with and that there's so many possibilities that presents, I think they they could they could do it, yeah. Could they, but would they? Um yeah, I think you've got like I, I can see a coach like John Harbaugh, or Kyle Kyle Shanahan doing it, you know. I don't know that Mike McCarthy would, but uh yeah, Definitely I, I not think Mike McCarthy. I think you have like some some younger forward thinking coaches that would that would certainly be open to anything like that, for sure.
1: Is it I possible like- that they're Oh sorry, go ahead, Ralph. No, I was just gonna I was gonna do sort of a meta commentary on how bad people are gonna be if it ever happens. So ask your actual question about the thing itself.
0: No, and I think them. that would that would be the same thing where if like if someone was ever like if a team was ever like, we're not gonna have a designated play caller, we're actually gonna run it through uh you know, an algorithm and we're gonna call plays that way, I think people would be mad. And I'd be I, insanely mad. They'd, they'd be really mad. It might totally work, but I think they'd be mad. And also, I, worry, I, I wonder if coaches would be willing to grant that agency to a machine instead of being able to take credit for their own masterful play designs. Yeah, they,
2: they may not... They might maintain veto power over the machine, but I think they, 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 they would allow perhaps the machines to, to provide input, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Why I haven't mean, they done it yet? Yeah, don't they have
2: the power to do it now? They may be doing it now. You know, in terms Ooh. of uh, just, it may not be for play design, but you know, when they consider things like win probability or, you know, like on a fourth down call, that kind of thing, um, I think a lot of that is already going on. Yeah, yeah that, that, that... Detroit Lions information, and we don't know it. No, no, I, I know, I know that, and
0: and Harbaugh has said he's used that in the past, but I'm talking about like exact play design, like. Like, do you think there is a team out there now that does have a little computer that says,
1: run a draw, like,
0: like third and six or something like that?
2: I don't know if, it's,
1: if we're there yet. I right. mean, just to see the way that it's used in baseball, I don't think that they're going to get there in the NFL. Because, so many variables like, involved. Not at that granular level. Yeah, because there's so many variables. And then also because, like, the the way that, like, that sort of data gets used in baseball is, like, basically like a group of people in the front office creates sort of like a dossier for the manager to look at. And then the manager either does or doesn't do the stuff that's recommended in it. But it's not like for like pitch sequencing or like stuff like that. The idea of like, you know, and assume here that Marvin is an acronym for something that like your robot Marvin that calls all your plays, like it's not going to be like giving you, Like, I don't think that that's, like, feasible or, like, that any coach would want to go along with that if it was just sort of, like, instantly assessing the algorithmic probability of, like, a draw play working on a second and six or whatever. Like, I'd hope that that wouldn't be what it would be. I just, to me, like, I wonder to what extent, Dom would know more about this than me, but, like, I can just see, like, culturally there being a great deal of resistance to this just on principle in a lot of NFL front offices like as bad as the discourse is in baseball about like nerds ruining the game or whatever where there is like I think some element in which like nerds have made baseball worse like mostly through like payroll shit like I don't think that a lot of NFL front offices would be willing to take like even a a big first step in terms of like like they'll take the information but they're not gonna like necessarily do what it says
2: yeah I I think it it would be more of a Data harvesting kind of thing, then you right. know, where the, the, you're going to let a machine actually design and then call a play without any input from a coach. That that might be a step too far.
0: Yeah, I think also Roth. I think you know, in terms of like like the Astros and how the Astros operate, it's less about oh those nerds than it is about um, teams figuring out the most efficient and bloodless way to do business. Right. Do you know what I mean? And that, that goes beyond just, ah, oh, they're dorks with numbers and math. Like, it's more in, it's taking out any human element from the game. And not not just from the game, but more importantly, from, like, how you do day-to-day business with people, the people that you yeah. work
1: with. And that's where it gets creepy and gross. The and- Astros, it's weird, too, because it works as a player development tool right up until it stops doing it. That Like, the thing that they do, I mean, they're not the only team that does it, but, like, the The real difference maker for them during the McKinsey years was that they, like, they really understood their own farm systems spectacularly, and other farm systems really well. They had video cameras, they had TrackMan and all that shit in all their minor league ballparks. So they knew more about more players than any other team did. And that's useful in some ways, like, because they're not trying to win games in the minors necessarily. They're trying to, like, develop talent. Right. And that's not, like, a problem in the NFL. You know, there's, like, 20 guys on a practice squad and, like, some of them are, you know, like just no hopers and some of them are like Le'Veon Bell at this stage in his career or whatever. But they're not those guys aren't being like developed. It seems like so much of that, like in the NFL especially, is like I don't actually know much about NFL player development, but I sense that a lot of it happens in college.
0: Yeah, it it depends on the position, I think. Like quarterback, I think there's a lot of development that needs to be done at the professional level. I think offensive line, too, um, depending upon. A lot of it also depends on which college, what kind of college system you come from. You know, if you come from a spread offense in college, and you're going to a zone blocking scheme that's based off a of play action like the way you know Minnesota or Tennessee does it, then it's a different system for you, and you have to learn a lot of different shit. So I, it can it can vary, but I do think that there is a lot of player development that has to be done in the NFL, and I think there are definitely franchises that are better at it than
2: others yeah and uh you know Alabama's a program they produce a lot of n f l players now for for the reason drew just stated that they, I think they do a good job of developing them for to play at that next level but yeah, a lot of it happens when once they get to the league and i think the the player tracking data and a lot of that stuff is influencing how teams get you know that's kind of the the new frontier here um is how they can develop these players once they have them because of all the data they now have
0: I also wonder if if there's someone outside the NFL who's already working feverishly to create AI play design and play calling systems so that they can sell it for a mint, obviously. But, um, like, I just feel like that, you know, there's going to be someone who's like, Oh, well this, you know, this shifts the paradigm of coaching entirely and, and presents it at, I don't know, fucking show West or something like that to a bunch of people. Like I, I feel like someone is going to attempt to incept it into the game and there'll be a real moment where the NFL either welcomes it or is like,
2: mm, "No, I'll bridge too far for us." Yeah, I mean the league has become much more welcoming to data-driven decision making in recent years, and it, it, it's actually happened pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that there's. It, it's tough to foresee something like that, but uh, there's a lot happening right now, and it's happened. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been the pace has been very quick.
1: All off you right can see in. how it
2: happened in baseball,
1: too. I mean, it's just a normal process of co-optation. Like, the people that are outside doing this work were, like, I mean, they just got hired by teams. Like, they, were, they started out doing it for yucks on, like, blogs and stuff like that. And then just, like, there's a ton of those, like, sabermetric blogs where, like, guys, had, you know, they developed some new way of, like, quantifying something or whatever. And, like, their last post was in, like, 2014 yeah. and they got hired by the fucking Tigers. And, like, that's, a, you know, good for them, I guess. But it is a different sort of thing.
0: So they all it, it's all it all follows the same pattern where there's resistance against it until somebody shows that it works and then that's when everyone's like oh oh well now we wanna we wanna do that but it's only it's only once it's pr- someone has proven that they can they can do it and so it has to get in it has to slip through that one crack
1: and then it then it can work that's why uh, every team is like I want a Zach Taylor type to coach yeah we gotta get ourselves we have to find a Zach Taylor. I'm writing. A story that,
2: I'm sorry. I'm
1: writing. No, a story I keep, this, I, go no, go ahead.
2: No, I was just. No, gonna no, say, I'm no, writing a story down. this week about fourth down teams being aggressive on fourth down, the way the Ravens were uh, the other night, and that's kind of become a thing. Coaches are are doing more and more of because they're seeing the benefit of going for it on fourth down. In yeah, you get that's more shit from
0: the public now for not
1: going for it right, on fourth, and which you
2: do. did not happen. E- just a few years ago. You know? yeah, yeah, I was going
1: to say, like, even five years ago. Like, it was the sort of thing where, like, it, and it's weird because it's, like, the sort of thing where, like, when Dan Campbell does it, you're just like, because he's Dan fucking Campbell, man. He's like, <laughs> like all gas, no brakes, like, full send, 24-7. But it's also, like, it is the smart thing to do. Like,
2: yep. just because it's Dan Campbell doing it doesn't mean it's not, like, enlightened or whatever. Well, Collinsworth and, and Michaels were kind of losing their mind over what... The Ravens did at the end of the game the other night, but it was the smart play. It wasn't just some gutsy thing that they, they decided to do. It was, it was the right move, you know, for a million yeah. different reasons, including the best way to win this game is to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, and you've got a very good chance of making this first down if you go for it, rather than... Yeah, back. because
0: you have Lamar Jackson. Right. I mean, right.
2: Yeah. At some point, all the academic, like, arguments with
1: it sort of fall apart because it's like, at that point, you're just advocating for punting, and, like, no one really wants to do that. Like, everybody knows what that means.
0: Well, the other thing is that, and this is, it's it's broken down now. Someone mentioned it on Twitter, but like the standard thing now is to say, "I'm glad they went for it on fourth down," but I don't agree with that play call. And I do that all the time with my team because, like, I saw it. It was uh, it was the Lions the other night. They had fourth and one, and of course they lined up Jared Goff in the fucking gun, which drove me nuts. Like, I don't, I I hate it when. Just on principle, if you're a yard away from a first down and you voluntarily snap the ball back so you're six yards away from a first down and that's how you start your play, I think that's very bad and I don't like it. Especially if there's a fucking empty backfield, which my team has done in the past.
2: The Steelers do a lot of that too. And it's that you sound exactly like me watching them do it. So, Ah, <sighs> oh, it drives me
0: nuts. Olaf writes in. <laughs> Olaf finally gets his letter in. I am a tall person who walks pretty fast. What is the etiquette for when you are behind a slow? Person or slow people, and you want to walk around them. I just walk around them. Some, I'll walk into the fucking street to pass them. Tom.
2: Yeah, I do that too. I kind of wait yeah. for my moment. Um, you know, because this happens a lot in New York. But uh, you know, you wait for your moment when there's a space. It's I feel, I feel like a a young Le'Veon Bell looking to find the hole, you know, I'm waiting I'm so patiently. happy
1: that you're saying this. Like, this is so liberating. I have the same thought, and I'm always embarrassed by it. Yes, yes. But, but it's but the same way to... Especially because I'm fucking late for everything. So half the time I'm going to the train, it's like I'm a punt returner, <laughs> and everybody is trying to, like, obstruct me from catching the queue and arriving only seven minutes late as
2: opposed to, like, 17. No, no uh, I, I, I have this feeling like, you know, if I make the move, am I going to bump this person and and you know there's this nervousness of, of of waiting to make that decision but as soon as i find an opening i'm i'm bursting through that hole it's i also notice
0: that's the I, way i also have experienced the opposite thing because i have children and children can be a little bit slower and you can feel someone coming yeah yeah like you feel the heat coming on you and you're about to get tailgated <laughs> and you're like and like i have had my wife be like we have to move out of the way For these people, and like I, like I'll do, I'll do it now. But in the beginning, I was like, I'm not moving for nobody. (laughs) They fucking wait. But like the people who don't hell at walking, if they they can like it or they can lump it. But the people who have no pocket awareness of the fact that I'm behind you and I need to get around you and you can't. Sense me breathing down your fucking neck, so you can get out of the way. The worst is, oh, is the, the
2: worst of the people who seem to sway. It just as you're about to make the move, they kind of sway in yeah. front of you somehow. Like they, you know what I mean? Like they just cut you off. And I, boy, yeah. I, I really hate that.
1: Like yeah, they I give get frustrated you know- with people who don't. I mean, they're doing that because they don't know that I exist. Like they don't. Like they're just like on their phone or they're having a conversation. But yeah, those are the people that I'm maddest at over the course of an average day. It's just like. Some lady going home from work, like, just having a normal day who keeps, like, veering in front of me as I'm attempting to, whatever, make my move. Stop drifting into my lane, please.
0: Yeah, because I always think they're doing it on purpose. Like, I know they're not, but I'm always
1: like, oh, they're trying to fuck me by closing
0: up the space (laughs) so I can't get past them. That piece of shit. And they're on their phone. (laughs) Ah! We get so mad when they're on their phone. You want to do one more question, or should we bail? Yeah. Ooh, all right. Ben writes in, when you moved to the D.C. area, he's talking about me, how did you decide which local TV news you watched? Growing up in the D.C. area, our family watched Channel 9 with Gordon Peterson, because of the weather person. Might you ask some of your comrades at Defector why they chose the local news stations they watch? Okay, so this assumes that we watch local news, which we probably don't, but I did for a while when I lived in New York. Dom, do you watch your local news? How did you choose which New York station? Uh, you watch for local news? I
2: don't so much anymore, but when I first moved here and before we had a child, we, we would have New York One on in the morning. And, I, I, you know, I, there's something about uh, Pat Kiernan and, and that group on New York One. And I, I, I think they cover the neighborhoods fairly well, so it was, it was just, uh, that's sort of why we chose that one. Everybody yeah. loves Pat
1: Kiernan. That's, like, also, like, real news you can use, which is good. Like, so much of the local news... Here, and I think it's probably true everywhere, like, again, I've only ever seen it, like, at the house I grew up in and at my in-laws' places, is that, like, it's just, like, who got murdered near you right? every day, and, like, that's the entirety, and then weather
2: and sports. And a house, this and, house like, caught on fire, you know, that kind right. of thing, you know. Which Which also, like, uh, I think,
1: like, New York One can actually, like, help you with your commute. Like, you're going to get, like, yeah. information that might actually have some utility to you.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times it'll be like, what drugs should your children be afraid
2: of this week? We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there's none of that sensationalistic nonsense on New York One, and I, I think they they cover the neighborhoods pretty well. Roger Clark's very entertaining. Um, so we've just watched well, my, less of it now that we have a kid, but that's what we watched when I can Well, my
0: it. wife and I lived in New York, and we didn't have kids. We we watched Channel Four News with Chuck Scarborough and Sue Simmons, and we were like, oh, they're our friends. And then we moved Simply to iconic. Yeah, and then we moved to DC, and we had Jim Vance, and I I think he's still there, and. Like, he was always like, hey, here's what happened today. All news. He was, like, very smooth and elegant. We liked Jim Vance a lot. But you get, like, mm-hmm. you have that thing where you get older and you get, like, attached to the local news person. Like, oh, they're, 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 my, they're my
1: friend in town. They know this all This is the man who tells about. me who got murdered. It's my That's buddy, I right. One thing that always stuck with me, about, like, of all, like, McQuaid's tales of Philadelphia, is his assertion that the most famous people in Philadelphia are the newscasters. This is true. And I think that that's, it seems kind of unique. Like, Dom, you probably could speak to that a little bit. But yeah, like, no, is,
2: when I lived down is there. Is it that, really, like, different? Than yeah, like here? the gossip like, pages, you know, in, the, in the, the, the Daily News and the Inquirer, the, the, the stuff they tended to get were the restaurateurs, and, and, and it was about the restaurateurs and, and, and the, the TV news anchors, because they were, they were like the <laughs> famous people around town.
0: i think in the heartland it's true too like i think whoever is the anchor in indianapolis or something bob hansen jansen or whatever the fuck like i'm sure that they are big big fucking deals in small town
1: america yeah there's a great bit in um that sam anderson book about oklahoma city boomtown which i like very much where he talks about a guy who's like the sort of like the alpha weatherman of that and it's like so much of that job in oklahoma is like being in like it's not like the haircuts that do it here where you're just sort of like it's going to be humid again sorry everyone like in oklahoma it's like you're in a fucking command center giving people life or death information about like tornadoes yes like it's rather months out of the year you're doing that and so like this guy had the fucking weight of the world on his shoulders like the like it was so it's a great little like profile like there's you know a lot of different characters sort of in the book but it was like, it never occurred to me that it would be hard to be a TV news person. Like, I always just, because here it's like, I feel like Sue Simmons shows up like three minutes before that shit starts and just like sits down and reads it. And then it's like, see ya. And then just close, <laughs> yeah. He just gave Zoom the finger. So I just I want did, that. I did. Well, I, Sue Simmons also is like, I mean, another one of those people that like, yeah, a trusted voice, but also someone who's been like caught on a video
2: yelling at people a lot.
0: Oh, has she? Yeah.
2: Didn't, uh, uh, Brian Curtis wrote that story about Dale Hansen down in Dallas that he would do the six o'clock news, then go to the bar, and then there was one night when he the, 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 he he you know was having such a good time at the bar, he realized the broadcast began, and he but he raced back and sat was back in his chair, did his whole sports routine like like nothing had happened, but he he'd been drinking beer for like five hours. Yeah, I
1: mean that sounds. He, he did that regularly. Perfectly Dale Hansen, yeah. and perfectly, yeah. He seems like the, I, I don't know that they're making them like that anymore, which yeah. is weird. It's like, I've never, I've only seen, like, the same clips that everyone else has. And I read, uh, like, my buddy Mike Pelucci wrote a little profile of him on his last day. And he seems like a very likable and, like, like actually, like, a fairly insightful guy. Like, I think he was just, like, really dedicated to, like, hanging out with the boys and being on TV. And he's, like, aware that he, like, fucked some stuff up in his life as a result. Like, there's more yeah. thoughtfulness there than you'd think. Right. But also just, like, the... I don't know. Like, I don't think that uh, there are just a lot of guys that would drink beer for five hours and then go back on TV. For better yeah. or worse. Like, I feel uh, like we yeah. might be more entertained if there were.
0: I used to definitely know, like, local sports guys like Warner Wolf in New York and shit like that. I could not name any of them in, in D.C. Dom.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a different, different breed now, you know. I just think that the sports broadcasts on local news are... are Pretty pointless now, anyway. Just yeah. in today's age, that yeah, it's just you know, so far behind. You're not tuning in right. You're not tuning in to get the the, the, the National League scores at 11:30. You know, right? Whatever. And like right. when they're happening and stuff like that. The idea and, just be, like, why the Mets are news? losing right now. Like, and why get your
0: you news from why get your news from those people when you can listen to a podcast? I mean, really? When
1: you think yeah. If it's something as professional and polished as the Distraction Podcast on Stitcher and Stitcher Premium, come on.
0: Oh, oh, TV did you say complete? Stitcher Premium? Because Brad Nix is our producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our That's... executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. And you can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. What's and that promo to, code? And thanks to us, you can get free with Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen And go subscribe to Defector.com, too, while you're at it. And read Dom over at The Score. score. And go to the Defector store for merch, too. The Defector store, where America goes for Defector merchandise. Uh, (laughs) That is it for this week, Dom. Thank you so much for enduring us. You were very, very patient and very (laughs) gracious. And I cannot thank you enough.
2: I, I, I love coming on this, and I love talking to you all, and I'm very proud of everything you've all done at Defector. So keep, keep it up. i miss you all. It is always a treat to have you. Thanks, man. Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys.
1: Bye.